Welcome to Women of the Wild, where education and opportunities are key. And friendships are made to last a lifetime. You think we got him? You think we got him? We got him. All right, Skylar, what do we got here? We got uh, a nice looking red ball. Oh, there she is. Woo! Welcome back to season two women of the wild podcast. We would like to first start off by thanking our title sponsors for the 2024 year. Atlantic Coral Enterprise, one of the largest import dealers in the world with excellent quality for hides, skulls, shells, and amazing gifts for friends and family or even your household. You can find them at AtlanticCoralEnterprise.com. RM Custom Calls, multiple world championships from Main Street to Live Duck. American-made, veteran-owned, when you want to win on the stage or in the blind, we have you covered. Small shop, big sound. You can find them at RMCustomCalls.com or on Instagram. We also have Rhino Land Safaris, providing exceptional quality with unmatched hospitality and cuisine, offering African safaris, a destination hunt for the avid rifle or bow hunter with some of the best trophy management South Africa has to offer. You can find them at rhinoland.co.za or on Facebook, Instagram. Hey everyone, Andy Lehman here from ACC Crappie Sticks. Just want to let you know about our crappie baits and jig heads. We have a wide selection of the hottest colors and big eye crappie jig heads in the most popular colors and sizes. Check them all out at acccrappiesticks.com. Thank you. And now for today's episode, we hope you enjoy. Hi, this is Felicia Marie with Women of the Wild. We are here with Kim from down in Texas. She is a phenomenal woman that we've known for a few years. Kim, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. So I know that you are always on adventures and up to a lot, but you are a woman who has a a mission that shares a lot with what coincides with Women of the Wild. And you actually own a company of getting women in the outdoors. I really want to talk about that today. But first, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into hunting. Okay, well, first, thank you for having me join your podcast this morning. I appreciate it. A little backstory. I too am from Michigan. I'm from Northern Michigan, a little town called Mancelona. I was born and raised there. I joined the army and got sent to Germany and I met a guy from Midland, Texas. And so here I am out in Texas now. I've been here since 1994. I think my love for the outdoors in general started probably since I was a kid. Uh, You know, up in Michigan, there's lots of lakes and we'd go camping and fishing. And my dad or stepdad, I should say, was kind of still in that era when I would beg to go hunting that I was a girl and I need to stay home. So I didn't get to hunt when I was younger. 
but I was always out in the garage helping clean the deer and, you know, excited to hear the stories when the guys got home with their deer and my grandparents hunted. And so I just always been around it. Once I got to Texas, I was like, there isn't nothing out here because it just looks so flat and dry in West Texas. And I was surprised that there's actually lots of good stuff out here. I met my now husband, Lance, in 2011, and he had a place to hunt and asked me if I'd like to go with them. And so I would just start sitting with them and watching and being an extra pair of eyes. And then in 2012, I'm like, you know what? I want to try it. And so I decided I wanted a bow hunt, but wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And so we opted for a crossbow and I did that for two years and I loved it. And then I switched over to compound bow and that's basically all I shoot. And I, I love it outdoors. I'd I can't get enough of it. And out here in West Texas, I noticed that there was kind of a need for uh, something for women. And so I started Charmed Women Outdoor Adventures and been trying to get more women outdoors and mentor them on hunting, fishing, just anything outdoors in general to get people outside, especially women. And I focus a lot on uh, female vets too. Yeah, as a female veteran yourself, I think that it's fantastic First of all, thank you for your service and what you do for our service women. Um, there aren't a lot of, of people out there doing things in the nature that, that you do, that these other women's groups do of the main focus of women and the education and the experience and, and providing that. You want to tell us a little bit about like what, what type of trips, like let's dig a little deeper in what type of trips you guys offer. Cause I know you guys have done quite a few already this year and you have more coming up, but can you give our listeners an example of what kind of events you do down in Texas? Well, we've been fortunate enough to hook up with uh, Lonnie Hamill. Uh, he does amazing bow fishing guides and the girls love, love, love that bow fishing. I think everybody needs to do that in their life. Uh, so we do that a lot. Uh, take We do thermal hog hunts. Uh, we're fixing to go on a deep sea fishing trip in two weeks down by Galveston. Deer hunting. Last year, we ran 12 ladies through that's never even been out hunting a day in their life. And we did does and call bucks for the ranch. And everybody out of 12 girls, everybody got one except for one. We do little get togethers here locally in Lubbock, Texas. We've done like a little girls weekend getaway. We're just a little cabin in the middle of nowhere. All kinds, just all kinds of things. And we have some hog hunts coming up next year and starting to try to fill a calendar for next year. Crane hunts coming up as well. So we try to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Well, and the diversity of it all is so important because you might have girls who, you know, they don't want to do big game or they don't want to do waterfowl. And you guys offer such a large spectrum of opportunity that it's really fantastic that like, it doesn't matter if you guys are out paddle boarding or hiking, just getting the women together in the outdoors. It's really great because like you said, we don't have a lot of opportunities like that. So to have an organization that that's their focus and with somebody like you, you're just so positive and so fun. Um, it really makes the experience just that much better. And for somebody who it might be their first time, it's really important to do that and make sure that you're instilling that from the get-go that it's a fun experience and come do it. And do you get a lot of repeat girls coming back and, and doing more trips with you guys? Yes, especially with, I've noticed with the bow fishing, I mean, I can't tell you how ate up the girls are with that. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it is one of the funnest things ever. And, you know, and 
I think a lot of fear is like, you know, I'm too old or I've never done this. And, you know, I was in my, you know, I, I was 40 before I actually started hunting personally myself. I'd fish all day, all my life. I loved fishing. But as far as just like hunting and getting out there and, you know, and I always say God, I, a lot of people say God's timing and it really is. Maybe I wasn't meant to, maybe just experiencing helping cleaning a deer and learning maybe the back end first of what has to be done, you know, learning the work part of it, because that always is the fun part is getting to go out there and sit and hunt. And then the work begins after you, you know, you've taken an animal. And so I kind of learned backwards. So I knew what was coming, but uh, I always enjoyed it. I just always enjoyed being outdoors ever since I was a kid. I'd rather be outdoors than doing any household chore that there is to do. If I can make an excuse to do something outside, that's where I'm at. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, it's really nice because, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like, you're right, maybe it is just God's timing and maybe it was like learning that back end first, but now that you're there, like what you are able to provide to these women and providing those new experiences to these girls getting out, whether it's a call buck or a doe or their first waterfowl hunt or bow fishing, it's an experience that a lot of these women probably wouldn't have went and just done on their own. So providing that platform and that introduction to the outdoors is really, really great. And there's a lot of women's companies out there doing it, but having that mission of like the new hunters. I think is really important. So it's really great to see that you guys focus on that and getting these girls out on those opportunities for that first impression and having it with a women's group. There can be a lot of bad stigma sometimes when women get out with men or that feeling of unsafe or, or just the unknown that I think when girls go with other girls, it's a little bit more comforting. Do you, what is your outlook on that? Do you feel that it's more comforting for your girls to get out with other women or is it, do you think that it wouldn't matter either way? I think it uh, matters first, especially that first time out, because I think that for me, I've always been a Tom, big old tomboy and my majority of friends have always been boys. So I never was intimidated by being around boys. I always just wanted to show them up. But I think a lot of us were intimidated and maybe we don't hear what the guys are saying or we're more nervous. So we might not be as comfortable. And so I think it is great, even for like your organization and these other ladies. I think even if we have guides that are male with us, I think just them knowing that there's a female there that's done this and willing to share it with them, I think it makes it more at ease. And, you know, and whether they continue hunting with just other females or if they, you know, I think it gives them a lot more confidence to go out either with their boyfriend or husband or, you know, with other groups without not any knowledge. And I think you can take any type of hunting whether it's waterfowl or big game or small game. Um, I think each time you go out, you build confidence and you can take that. If you're just a waterfowler and then it's your first time out deer hunting per se, I think things that you learned even during waterfowl teaches you things that's going to go through what other ever else type of hunting you may try to do down the line. But I think it helps women a lot having these organizations. And I'm grateful. I met some really neat, really neat ladies through this and especially you you're one of my favorite <laughs> we will now be taking a short break to hear from our mid-segment sponsors weeby knives a brand of skinning fleshing and butchering knives perfect for the hunters trappers and fishermen with a unique high quality knife for animals of all shapes and sizes you can find them and more information at weebyknives.com or on facebook instagram stonehouse digital consulting elevate your small business 
with Stonehouse's expert marketing solutions. Ignite your online presence and thrive with a tailored strategy to drive your growth. You can find them and more information at stonehousedigitalconsulting.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Livingston County Pheasants Forever, Chapter 465. With a mission to conserve pheasant, quail, and other wildlife through habitat improvements, public access, education, and conservation. You can contribute by joining the meetings on the first Thursday of every month at 7 p.m. at the Howell American Legion Hall on the corner of M59 and Grand River. For more information and to get involved, you can find them at pf465.com or on Facebook, Instagram. Dreamcatcher Charters, a Michigan-based guide service for walleye, sturgeon, and duck hunting. With a passion that drives their success, sharing the phenomenal Michigan waterways with everyone. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram. Feather Moon Outdoors, offering calls made from select materials. Every pot is fine-tuned in the house using the highest quality materials available. Also offering diaphragm, slate, glass, grunt calls, and more. For more information, you can find them at feathermooneoutdoors.com or on Facebook, Instagram. Stay tuned, more podcasts to come. So a little backstory about Kim and I, we met um, on a hunt down in Texas in Rock Springs, if I'm not, was it Rock Springs? And we did a a women's hunt and we did, uh, it was a high fence for rams and um, we instantly just hit it off. And we, I, I had no idea that you had owned Charmed at that point in time and we started talking and we just instantly clicked and it, it's quite obvious. We both have that same mission to, to assist other people and, you know, give you the shirt off your back to make sure somebody else is having a good time. And you are just the, one of the sweetest women I've ever met. And it's been a complete blessing to have met you and to become friends with you. And, you know, we've came down and hosted Women of the Wild events, our Sandhill crane trip last year down in Lubbock. You stopped what you were doing to come help me with going to the grocery store to feed our girls. And, you know, you put all those bags together for our girls for the local Texas stuff. And she she supplied all of our girls on that hunt with little goodie bags of like local homemade things from Texas, whether it was jam or honey or coffee. And just that, those little fit and finish things that you do that are done purely from your heart. You're just a good soul. And I think that it's hard for anybody not to just completely fall in love with you over and over. Every time, every time I get to see you, I just, I, I love the person that you are. And I'm, I'm absolutely blessed to have you in my life and in my circle. And I can't wait. I hope that one day we can put some events together and, and team up women of the wild and, and charmed and, and do something together. And especially with you being here from Michigan, I'd love to have you up here sometime and, you know, come down there and do some stuff with you. I think it's important for women that we can meet these other women who are from a completely different demographic than us. And you build this sisterhood and like it, the distance doesn't matter at any no. point in time, we can pick our phones up and call each other. And I think you're right. I think that the confidence build that, you know, we get from each other uh, is, is fantastic. And it's just been an absolute blessing to have met you and to, you know, everything that you're doing, watching you guys grow, watching your team and everything that you guys do. It's really fantastic. You guys are out doing dove hunts and 
you know, this deep sea fishing and your bow fishing and your big game. And it just, I love that there's no limitations. You guys go out and do those paddle boarding trips and it's just fantastic to see you grow that friendship with other women and just keep building it and they build it with other women. And it just becomes this massive community and it all starts somewhere. Yes. And another thing that amazes me is the age difference. It doesn't matter. There, it's like when you're out there doing stuff, it doesn't matter. I mean, we have women in our group that might be in their 20s and then some, you know, I'm in my, I'm 50, 51. And how many ladies that are going out and doing these things and they've never done anything and they're in their late 40s or early 50s. And I mean, they're having a time of their life. And just like me and you, there's an age gap, but it doesn't stop that friendship from building what and what started it, you know, was through another hunting group but it was the outdoors and just being out there, whether we were successful on that hunt or not, which we were, we were blessed. But I always say, and people can say you're crazy. And I think until you are actually out there, it really is the experience of being out there. And then if you get an animal, that's just a bonus, but it doesn't, that animal doesn't take away your conversations, the friendships that you're building in the blind while you're sitting there waiting or walking or, you know, scouting or whatever you're doing. It doesn't take away from that whole experience. And then if you're lucky enough to connect and um, harvest your animal, I mean, that's just a bonus, you know, and, and then that, and then that starts a whole new thing, another whole new skill set that you're teaching people on how to manage their animal after they take one because it isn't just about killing it and then be like oh okay well that was great and then the job's over you know really your job just starts beginning and we had one lady who is an art teacher she's a gold star mom she lost her son a couple years ago in the military and she went out she harvested a, a little spike you know it was a management buck and she used I was never so impressed because I have to say I've been hunting for a while and I've yet to do this but she used every last thing on that deer she even tanned her own hide she went and learned how to do that I mean she was you never seen somebody more appreciative of an animal than that lady and it was her first time ever hunting and so she was just enthralled by the whole process of you know what happens after you harvest that deer yeah and that's important too um with these women's groups with something like Charmed, with something like Women of the Wild, we're not just taking girls out for the experience. We're teaching them safety. You are starting from, you know, the, the pre-education before you're even in the field to everything that happens in the field to, you know, firearm safety, bow safety, you know, even just water safety if you're out fishing and then you get your harvest and then teaching them how to clean their animal, how to properly preserve things. And to see the women utilizing so much of that animal and having the respect is a really awesome thing to see that. That's really cool that she utilized everything and then learned how to tan her own hide. That's fantastic. Uh, There's skill sets that are being lost because I feel like our society just doesn't do a lot of those things. It's too easy to outsource it and have having that mentality of like, I need I need to learn how to do it. And I want to know what I can do to preserve more of this or, or utilize every piece of that animal to respect it is really, really great. And I think in today's society, you know, and out here in Texas, you know, we'll process some of our own deer, but then there's other times we're like, we got to take this. It's just too hot. It depends on the season. And sometimes it might be even more unseasonally hot. And it's just like, I don't, I don't have time. We don't have a place like up in Michigan. We have to let it hang in the the garage for the weekend 
down here, you're not hanging a deer in the garage to process over a weekend. It's just too hot. No. You know? <laughs> and, well, and the thing, and maybe some people don't know this about Texas, but Texas has a very high population of exotics that can be hunted year round um, that aren't regulated like we have here in Michigan and other states. So it's not just when we're talking like hanging a deer, it's not just a white tail, which white tail are managed. Um, they're a game managed animal down in Texas. So you have a season for those, but you guys might go shoot an axis or a fallow or something. And I know I was just down there last week and it was 109 degrees. You're not hanging yeah. anything. And some people don't have, you know, a, a cooler, a walk-in or something like that to keep their meat cool. So they are taking it to be outsourced. But yeah. that's something I'd love to touch on. Could you tell us a little bit about like the Texas game and everything about what your, what is local to you and how, how Texas works for those that aren't familiar with it? One, Texas has very little uh, public land to hunt on. There's a few places and a lot of them are, you know, you might have to get drawn in. So a lot of stuff down here in Texas is privately owned land. So you have leases. We, and we have a farm, so we get to hunt a farmland too for our mule deer. But our season, what I hunt on a regular basis is whitetail and um, also mule deer and then hogs all year round. We're fortunate enough to know uh, uh, some good friends of ours that have a ranch and so we also here starting this will be our fourth year coming up next year will be our fourth year hunting axis but like you said specifically more down towards the southern parts there's a lot of big game ranches where you know if some people wanted to save money and not want to go to africa you can do that here a lot of it here in texas anything from your ibex to your you name it they have them every big game animal you can think of and I would like to note, outside of the one ranch where we met, I was kind of a high fence snob when I first got into hunting. And I really didn't know much about hunting anyways, but I was just like, that's easy. Well, it's not if it's a well-managed game ranch and it's got lots of acreage. It ain't a guarantee. I've been hunting Axis the last three years and I have one doe, which Axis meat is amazing. And my husband has one buck. So it's not like you just go down there and it's a given that you're getting something. Mm -hmm. Heck, this last season, I didn't even see one. Not, not one Axis. I have to agree with you on that. I think that I was very naive to what a high fence meant yeah. until I did it. And yeah. like you said, there's exceptions, right? Like you don't want to go on a high fence, like do your homework, do your research. Don't go to a high fence where they're putting things in five acre pins and they're just setting it out and you're at a, a petting zoo with a rifle. But yeah. some of these ranches, really anything over a couple hundred acres, like I know some of the ranches we work with are, you know, 500 acres and you think, oh, 500 acres, that's, that's not, you know, that high fence, that's going to be easy. That's like shooting fish in a barrel. It's not. And it depends on the style of hunting and how the setup is. So it's important for people to do their homework, but you're absolutely right. It is not, it's still hunting. It's not a given. I, I was floored with the amount of species that Texas is able to get as, as someone that works for an outfitter in South Africa, it changed my perspective a lot on Texas. Once I started going down there and hunting Texas and seeing how, you know, everything is regulated differently and that you do have game species, but you also have these exotics that aren't really regulated. Like you have a, I think it's $48 five day for exotics and it covers just about everything. Yeah. But you guys have hogs where they're considered nuisance where you don't even need the license to do it. Oh, you, can, um, you can come from Michigan and hunt hogs all day. Yep. As long as you know people that have places you can go hunt. 
But right, because there's not the public land to go do things like that. It is all private. And it just it, it just blows my mind at all the opportunities down here that tech and I had no idea because if you're not familiar with like West Texas where I'm at in the Lubbock area, I mean it's it's farmland, it's cotton, it's wheat. It, you can see for miles and miles and miles, and you're like, how could anything live here? And yet there they are. I mean, we have beautiful, beautiful white-tailed deer down here. They're not itty bitty, you know. I I think we get snubbed a little on our whitetail out here, but out here in West Texas, we have some nice whitetail. Yeah. So I actually was just uh, doing some research. Texas has 5.5 million whitetail residing in your state. That's a pretty high number. And it, when you start comparing like square mile to the two head of herd, it, it's quite an intimidating number as somebody from Michigan who, you know, we're, we're touching about that 2 million population, but it's crazy to think that because not only do you have whitetail, but then you have your mule deer and you guys have a lot of free range exotics that are on your low fences or no fences that are outside of high fences that I think a lot of people don't realize either. I know when we were in Rock Springs, like it was nothing to see like a Neil guy walk through or yeah. accent. So you don't always have to be on a high fence to be able right. to experience the exotics that are down in Texas there. I know when we were down there last year in, in March, we, you and I were driving and, and there was just access everywhere on the side of the road. So for people who aren't familiar with Texas, note that you do not have to be in a high fence. So welcome back from our break from our sponsors. Thank you to all of our sponsors who support us here with women of the wild. Now, Kim, we are, we just got done chatting about Charmed and Texas and you just got back. I want to dive into this while we have time is you just got back from an incredible trip that I would love for you to share because I think it's one of those places that's on everybody's bucket list to do. And I want to hear your experience and for you to share that with our listeners, if you don't mind. Yes. My husband has been to Alaska once, I don't know, 20 years ago, and he's talked about it to me a lot. And he said, on our 10 year anniversary, I want to take you on a fishing trip to Alaska. And he kept that promise true. So this year we got to go. Um, I was very fortunate. A high school friend had headed up to Alaska after he graduated and he's a halibut captain up there. And so when we decided, I reached out to him because I was definitely wanting to do a halibut fishing with him. And he pointed us to Kenai Riverbend Resorts. And we got on there and the people were amazing to call and talk to. We did a package for $2,750 per person. And it was for four outings. It included the cabin. We flew into Anchorage. And then we drove down there by um, Kenai and it was a three-hour drive, and then we started our adventures the very next morning. I think we got in at like 1, 1.30 Anchorage or Alaska time, and we had to be up by 4 a.m. to go drive to meet our guide at the halibut fishing, and it was amazing. Everything was amazing from loading the boats in the water for the halibut with like these big, huge machines that take you out and then when you come back in they're hooking you back up the halibut fishing was amazing we everybody got their limits uh the next day we actually were fishing in the Kenai River for salmon and that was just another eight hours of fun-filled adventure and the bald eagles flying around you we even seen a seal swimming upstream you know I and I think the guide said he's seen him even go in about 20 miles or 30 miles sometimes chasing those salmon upstream. 
It was beautiful. Uh, we then had a day of rest. So we took a road trip and went to Homer, Alaska. And that was a neat little road trip. And I just, everything around you, pictures don't do it justice. Describing it hardly does it justice. It's just so majestic. The mountains, some of them just, the hillsides are covered in green. And then the next one's just covered in snow. And then you'd see volcanoes. Didn't see any erupting, but one erupted, I think this beginning of this week or the end of last week. Then we went out on a all species fishing trip in Seward. And another gorgeous place to see. I mean, you couldn't handpick these places if you tried. I mean, they're just amazing. And all the captains and the deckhands were just awesome, too. And then our final trip was a flyout fishing, um, which is uh, was in that little town that we were staying in. So it was a 30-minute drive that morning. Selgatnia is where we were staying at. And we got on a float plane, and we flew out to this lake that can only be reached by float planes. And then we got into a fishing boat and we got to fish with the bears for salmon. Like bears were within 20 yards of us. They didn't, they didn't care that we were there. I think it's such a spot that when they're born that they don't even know any different than those humans being there on a boat. So they didn't pay no mind. They were busy eating their salmon. Uh, it was just overwhelming with so many things to see. It was gorgeous. Just amazing and i do recommend that everybody needs to go to alaska take that cruise take that fishing trip do something but get up there to alaska what an incredible adventure and i i know that your your photos on facebook don't do it justice and seeing you know your excitement when you got to fish with the bears and and you're right they're probably you know eating so much that they don't even care what you're doing they're willing to share but yeah. what an incredible experience and and for you and lance to to have that opportunity to finally go do that together. I uh, was really excited for you. And yes. I'm sure you're going back. Oh, I, I want to. Like, you guys already have plans for that? Uh, we're, we'll talk about it. Maybe in a couple more years, we might do it again. But man, it was amazing. And we also, when I was sitting on the boat, when we were out there on the flyout one, I was like, hey, out of the corner of my eye, a black bear came down which is very unusual for black bears to be anywhere around brown bears. They don't like them. He never got into their space. He kind of just skirted around, but I got a picture of a black bear too. And that guy that we were out there with said, that's the first one he's ever seen out wow. there since we've been guiding. Wow. It was, it was pretty freaking amazing. That's a cool experience all in itself to have that, that luck of getting that couple of minutes with that, you know, that creature that's not typically in that area. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And another thing that was really neat was there was where the float plane landed. You would think you were just surrounded by like a backyard, like a huge backyard, right? It's just beautiful green grass. And, but when you step on it, it actually floats. And so it's moving and it's just acres and acres and acres of this grass, but it's like a floating carpet. So like every time you take a step that it's moving underneath you. Oh, wow. Like he said it's like four inches thick. So it's almost like ice fishing, but you're, it's grass. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And these huge animals walk across it like nothing. Completely They're, different scenery than Texas. Yes, moose, you know, everything's walking across it that you'd think would fall through, but they don't. I, it just mind boggled me. I was like, that is crazy. You that can just see it moving. 
That is awesome. I know that that's, that's one high on my bucket list and most avid outdoorsmen and women. I know Alaska is, is typically somewhere in that. And now to the final segment to this week's episode of Women of the Wild podcast. We will conclude this segment by thanking our closing sponsors. Stay tuned for more of this week's episode after this short word from our sponsors. Muzzy Pheasant Farms, a mid-Michigan family-owned and operated pheasant game preserve that is open year-round. Muzzy offers educational courses and hunts. They are family-oriented, creating a great opportunity for new and seasoned upland hunters. With no membership required, come hunt with Muzzy Pheasant Farms. You can find more information at muzzypheasantfarms.com or check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Blast and Cast Guide Service is a veteran-owned and operated Michigan-based guide service for the Great Lakes. With decades of experience of fishing and waterfowl, they ensure a safe and enjoyable trip every time. You can check them out at blastandcastguideservice.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Ultimate Veteran Adventures. UVA offers outdoor therapy, recreation, and camaraderie through hunting and fishing adventures around the country for veterans, active duty military, Gold Star families, and first responders. You can find them at ultimateveteranadventures.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Sawmill Creek Bait and Lures, a husband and wife owned and operated company, the home of the C4, one of the best trapping canine lures on the market. You can find them at sawmillcreekbaitandlures.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Wicked 7 Outdoors, a Southwest Texas outfitter guide service with an exceptional care and quality of backcountry mountain hunts for free range audad. Also offering high fence and low fence exotics, come immerse yourself in the outdoor experience. You can find Wicked 7 Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram. Misguided Outdoors is a female-driven Michigan-based guide service offering turkey and waterfowl hunts. Misguided is focused on educating women and youth, providing a hands-on hunt experience for all ages. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. We thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. So with that though, let me ask you a question of now that you've done this and you get to experience so much and, and you are an avid outdoors woman with a very diverse range of what you, what you do, what is something that is on your bucket list? My bucket list, I'm, well, I'm going to get to go on a couple elk hunts in the next two years in 2024 and 2025. So I'm going to get to check that off. And uh, I think my next one, I really would love to go to Alaska and either get a caribou with my bow or a moose. That's oh. big on my bucket list and has been for some time. I think I have a better chance at a moose with my bow than a caribou. I guess depending on what part of Alaska you went to though. So, right. you know, cause yeah. there's some big open places there too. And it'd be hard to get with a bow to a caribou, but those are, that's a big thing on my bucket list. And I would love another big bucket list is to go to Africa and get some of their, their, uh, wild, their game over there. Well, come on over anytime. <laughs> I actually told uh, Lance the other day, I was like, man, if I had, didn't have these elk hunts planned the next two years, I said, I'd be, I said, I'd be going over there with Felicia to Africa. <laughs> we, uh, at Women of the Wild, we have one, by the time this airs, we'll have already gotten back, but uh, we have one for the 2023 year and we have a 2024 Africa hunt coming in May that is going to be a co-ed event where we are going to take 
five couples or it can be, it doesn't have to be couples. It can be your dad. It can be your brother. It can be your neighbor. It could be your best friend, your sister, but we're going to take a group of women along with a plus one of their choosing. It can be their son. Like we're not limiting it at all. Just being able to provide that experience will offer some budget, some elite packages, some build your own packages. And it's an incredible experience. Um, you know, recording this, we're leaving in seven days for our, our Africa trip, our first one for women of the wild. I've been there before. I actually work for an outfitter over there, but it is a different type of management. The management that the ranch that we work through is superb to anything else you'll ever see. These animals are just what you experience in Texas, as far as exotics is magnified once you go over to Africa. And that, that definitely is one that I get really excited for and I would love to hunt the plains animals and I'm going to have to get with you about this couple's package deal. Yes, absolutely. We would love to have you out. Um, it is, it is definitely something that I, I never knew that it was something I wanted to do. I had turned my nose up for a long time at the whole idea of trophy hunting and Africa and, once I got over there and educated myself and saw how beneficial it is and saw how well they manage their animals, it became a really big passion of mine to share that because I had such that like negative stigma. I, I was going to say, I think once you start hunting and if you start researching Africa and what they do, and there's a few things that I wouldn't shoot in Africa, like an elephant doesn't really intrigue me. A giraffe doesn't intrigue me, nor does a zebra, but if you know what it does for a community in which you're hunting, you have no idea. So when people snub or look down upon people that go to Africa and hunt, I mean, they're doing the world a big favor. They're helping with the game management. They're feeding a little community that might not have that food. And I mean, and they use everything as well. I mean, they don't waste anything on any animal. So, you know, if somebody goes over there and spends 20, 30, 50 grand on a Cape Buffalo or whatever, I mean, they're, they're doing something for a village over there. And I think people overlook that because they get just so taken in that somebody's taken an animal, which they don't educate themselves on that either. On Could you imagine if nobody hunted? Well, I mean, like I have the, the example, I've learned very quickly to not say I wouldn't do something over there because what we're accustomed to here and our false beliefs that have been instilled in us with our zoos and in television are not real life over there. Correct. Like when I went, a zebra was like, I will never shoot a zebra. Well, I ended up taking one. And I will tell you that it, it changed my perspective. I had that same mentality of like, I would never shoot a giraffe. I would a hundred percent shoot a giraffe now knowing what I know. Um, so <laughs> it, it's one of those things that like, you really have to put yourself in that experience to know yeah. what you would do. Um, everything over there is managed accordingly and they're not going to let you take animals that are population suffering. Everything is free range. The ranch that we go to is 32,000 acres and it's one fence around all of that. It's not like animals pinned in different areas. It is all everything. Nothing is being like fed. It's all there's watering holes. So a lot of times for bow hunters, you're hunting over water, but you're not hunting over like feeders and stuff like that. 
it is all like wild game. Everything is born naturally in there. I mean, they do, they do have breeding programs and things like that to help with populations when people don't know that it's a third world country, that it's not for us where we can just run down to the corner store and grab some groceries or go get gas. Everything is, you work for it and everything is really hard and you're feeding those villages and you are, you're doing a lot, but you're also receiving one of the most incredible experiences visually that I've ever experienced in the world. Um, it's, it's not like any other place I've ever been to. And I think that for a lot of people, it's all in education. So if it's something that you, you stick your nose up to it, I highly recommend educating yourself. And if you still don't want to do it, that's okay. But for those who have ever thought about doing it, or even if you don't want to do it and you talk bad about it, take a minute to like educate yourself on it because the benefits of stuff like this are just incredible of what they do for a community. And it's, it's a completely different lifestyle than what we're used to here. So it, it is, it's one of those things that if it's on your bucket list, it's worth trying. Yep. It definitely on my bucket list and Lance's. So I'd like to experience that with him through y'all even. So I'm going to get with you on, on that one that you have coming up. Somebody needs to get their passport. That would be me. (laughs) 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 Yes, you'll definitely need that. But the other thing is, is you don't need all the vaccinations. That's a really, that's a a really big thing that I get asked frequently, all those vaccinations and everything like that. It's South Africa. It is not uh, like you don't need malaria and all of that. Their hunting seasons are during their winter. They're the opposite of us. So like right now when we're going, we're going in their winter. It's our summer. So all of those things taken into consideration. It's a pretty easy thing. It's actually pretty inexpensive. A lot of people think it's expensive. Our trip this year for our girls is a $4,000 package and it includes everything except for your flight and taxidermy, but it's transport to and from the airports. It's all of your meals at five-star lodging, all of your, your meals, your lodging, your animals, which this trip they're getting, uh, their package consists of a zebra, a blue wildebeest, an impala, and then their choice of a steambuck or bless buck. So for $4,000, they're getting four animals Um, and all their meals, all their lodging, open bar. It is a, you're going to come as a client and you're going to leave as family. Yeah. And that's what hunting does. I think that's what hunting does. It, I think it just, it has a different dynamic than just us running into each other Mm -hmm. at a beach or something. You know what I mean? It would probably, we probably wouldn't be talking right now, you know, until we ran into each other at a beach again. You know what I mean? That's rare, but I think the outdoors just has this connection to people. And once you experience it, whether it's in Africa, Texas, Michigan, wherever you're at, it just is a whole new experience. And I mean, look at me and you, I mean, we haven't met Rachel yet and I know y'all have connected and bonded. I have a connection with her and bonded and I can't wait to meet Rachel. I have like this bucket list of ladies that I cannot wait to meet, you know, and Rachel helped set up uh, an awesome hog hunt for my group for next year. And I mean, I'm just excited about everybody that I've met and Jody from California, you know, I mean, we become best friends, you know, through women's outdoor hunting group page. And it's just a whole different dynamic. And I just think the relationships are amazing. And I love you for it. Yes. Uh, you women are fantastic. We actually just had Rachel Voss on a, a podcast recently, uh, aired a couple before this one. And we talk about you in that podcast too, Kim. It's it's this big connection and this big network 
of women who truly have the passion of sharing their passion with other women and providing that education, providing those opportunities, providing that safe space, that sisterhood that's built is exactly like you said. Had we had this, not experienced it in some sort of outdoor experience of hunting, fishing, whatever that may be, it may have been a very mild friendship, but the what we get to experience together grows a bond and it grows an experience that we get to share that memory and we get to carry it. And we, be, we have the ability to build this into this incredible sisterhood and have each other's backs. And these women out here doing this, you, Rachel, Jody, you all are top notch, just a hundred percent love the outdoors. You're, you're really in it for the right reasons. You're truly well-versed in the outdoors. You immerse yourself in it. This isn't, these aren't girls who just do this to do this. These are girls that this is their life and to share that with other women and provide those opportunities, provide that education is really spectacular. And what it grows into from there is pulling more women in the outdoors education is conservation. So keep that in mind when you're wanting to get in the outdoors, make sure you're properly educated. Make sure you're going with one of these women's groups who are going to make sure you're educated and teach you how to do it ethically. Everything that we do with women's groups, Women of the Wild, Charmed, whether it's First Hunt with Rachel Voss, like it doesn't matter. These groups are there to support you and to support you learning to do it the right way. Agreed. Well, Kim, I know that we are coming up to the end of our hour for our podcast, and I want to say thank you for coming on. Thank you for your service to our great nation. Thank you for everything you do for these women. It's always a pleasure talking to you. I can't wait to get out on more adventures with you. You, I've always looked forward to it. Um, But I would love for you to tell our listeners before we go how they can get a hold of you, uh, where they can follow you, how they can find Charmed. If there's women in the outdoors that are in your area down in Texas, how they can connect with Charmed to get out with you guys. So we're on Facebook and it's Charmed Women Outdoor Adventures. There's a private group just for women only. And there's also one that anybody can follow on a business page. But if you're a female and would like to join us, Even if you're from a different state, because you never know if we might show up in your backyard someday doing a hunt. But so Charmed Women Outdoor Adventures, and we'd love to see you and have you out on some adventures. You can also email me at kim.ferris, P-H-A-R-E-S, at yahoo.com if you have any questions or want to ask me anything or private message me. Now, what about your personal Facebook? Is it okay for people to contact you personally and reach out to you through Instagram or Facebook? Uh, Yes, they can do that also. And I always forget about Instagram because I just, I'm not very vigilant on there, but I am on uh, Instagram as well. And also on Facebook and you can find me on Kim Ferris, Kimberly Sue Ferris um, in parentheses, Corey, if you want to follow me on my regular Facebook page. And I encourage our listeners to go out there, check her out, see what she's up to and get out there with Charmed because they are a fantastic group with a wonderful mission. So thank you, Kim, for being on today. And it's always a pleasure. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Women of the Wild podcast. Please be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and all social media platforms. You can check out our website for up and coming events, courses, merchandise, calendars, and cookbooks on womenofthewild.net. And as always, leave the road and take the trail. Find your wild.